Well, good morning, Community of Grace. And including all of those of you who are joining us live streaming, good to have you here with us today. Um, I need to dispel a, a rumor before I go on <clears throat> with the uh, message today. Uh, Pastor Darren and I did not coordinate our outfits today, although uh, you can see great men think alike, <laughs> a great mind, so. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Darren. We just happened to be praying, and the same Holy Spirit told us both, here's Here's what I want you wearing today. Um, my wife, Debbie, sends her greetings. We, we live in Phoenix. We, we lived up here for 14 years in Coon Rapids uh, before we moved to Phoenix eight years ago. The reason I mentioned Phoenix is, is because I, I hate to disagree with the lead pastor from up front, but uh, Darren asked me to pray this morning before I start the message. And Pastor Darren, I just don't feel comfortable praying that the Cardinals beat the Vikings today. I, I just... I'm not comfortable with that, uh, partly because the Cardinals don't need prayer. <laughs> oh, ba-doom, boom. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. <laughs> In all seriousness, first of all, I want to thank you, Community of Grace. Uh, I, I want to thank you for the lives you're impacting with God's love and God's power here within the church as you continue to disciple followers of Jesus and continue to love each other and be there to serve each other. I want to thank you for how as you, you leave the walls of the church and you go be the church out in the community, how you're impacting uh, people, loving your neighbor, welcoming the stranger, and all the different little things uh, you do in that regard, impacting some lives you might not even be aware you've impacted, but God's at work in and through you. And, and with your connections overseas, thank you for what you do. I just wanted to, to mention that as the service coordinator for LCMC. Um, I'm honored to be here today, to be back today. I've, I've been here before and get to hang out with Pastor Angie, Pastor Darren, and Dan, and Melinda, and the rest of the crew here. And I'm, I'm honored to be asked to share this message that we're entitling, Same Mission, Different Strategies. Same Mission, Different Strategies. Um, when I was growing up in a land far, far away a long time ago in another galaxy or something <laughs> like that, Dan, um, I wanted to be an American history teacher. And I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to coach baseball and basketball. And in fact, even as a pastor in Rapid City, South Dakota some years ago, I had the opportunity for that dream to come true. Um, my church council approved a, a request that had been made by the public school system that I be allowed to coach high school baseball and to coach boys and girls high school basketball. They thought that'd be a, a one way, one strategy we could use to take the presence of our church out into the community. And so I got to do that. And as a, a student of American history, I still love to read uh, uh, books about various uh, times in our history. A uh, story that has often captured my attention is the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. And um, this, this expedition of over two years to carry out a mission to find a passageway that would connect the intercontinental United States with the Pacific Ocean. And for over two years, uh, how this team 
navigated and, and dealt with all the challenges, all the obstacles that, that come with any mission. Their primary strategy to carry out the mission was to navigate waterways, primarily the Missouri River. So for months and months and months, they, they rode upstream. If any of you have ever tried canoeing or kayaking or anything like that, you know how challenging it can be just to row upstream, let alone the other challenges that come with it. But they thought, this is the strategy that's going to carry us to the Pacific Ocean until one day, Lewis and Clark stand on the summit of a mountain looking across, thinking they're going to see the Columbia River. They didn't. Here's the story picked up in the book Canoeing the Mountains. Lewis believed that he'd walk up the hill down a gentle slope that would take his men a half day to cross with their canoes on their backs, and then they'd see the Columbia River. After 15 months of going upstream, they looked forward to letting the current swiftly whisk them downstream to the Pacific Ocean. They could not have been more disappointed. What Lewis actually discovered was that in front of him was not a gentle slope down to a navigable river running to the Pacific Ocean, but the Rocky Mountains stretching out for miles and miles and miles as far as the eyes could see, one set of peaks after another. I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine working so hard for so many months doing what it took to navigate the Missouri River upstream, thinking now you're going you're gonna to catch a river, the Columbia River, that's going to take you downstream only to see in its place mountains. And to realize, you know, the thing that got us here is not going to get us there. The, the mission remained the same. They still needed to get to the Pacific Ocean. They need, still needed to find that passageway that would connect the intercontinental United States with the Pacific Ocean, but the strategy that they had been using was no longer going to get them to where they needed to go. And that's the challenge facing us in the Christian church today, here in the United States and worldwide. We're living in a cultural landscape that is changing faster than most of us can keep up with. It's changing at warp speed. But as a student of history, I tend to think there's often lessons we can learn from history that we can still apply today. And there's, there's at least three from the Lewis and Clark team that I think we could benefit thinking about. The first is this. Stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. Uh, that's probably not going to help the Vikings today. But stay focused on the mission. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't throw away the speaker. No, <laughs> don't, don't throw away the tools that it still work. E even though the landscape may be changing, even though new strategies might need to be developed, there's still tools that can still work. Don't throw them away. And thirdly, be open to discovering and implementing new strategies that can actually help you carry out and accomplish the mission. So the first thing, perhaps that we can learn from Lewis and Clark is to stay focused on the mission or as a mentor of mine, a longtime mentor, Pastor Joe Johnson, told me, Mike, just keep the main thing the main thing. And so when he told me that, I got to thinking about, well, okay, what's the main thing? For me as a follower of Jesus, as a leader in the Christian church, what's the main thing? Well, it seemed pretty clear from Scripture that Jesus makes it very simple. 
love God, love the neighbor, and go and make disciples. In some way, shape, or form, all that we do flows out of and flows into loving God, loving our neighbor, and we might add welcoming the stranger, and going and making disciples. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, excuse me, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second equally is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. And then in Matthew 28, picking up in verse 18, Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. And I know that's a, that's a highly held value here at Community of Grace. So let's just keep the main thing the main thing. As best we can, with God's help, here at Community of Grace and in Lutheran congregations and Mission for Christ, let's stay focused on the mission. The second lesson I think we could learn, I suggested we could learn from the Lewis and Clark team is don't throw away tools that could still be helpful. One of the tools that I would suggest needs to remain the same. Even in a changing cultural landscape here in the United States and overseas is the proclamation of law and gospel. You see, law and gospel together are God's word. Not either or but both and. The preaching of the law is necessary. The preaching of the law is necessary to help we as human beings realize that without Jesus, we are in bondage to sin and we cannot free ourselves. We can't. Preaching professor Julie Smith has said, the preaching of the law is necessary to drive us to the point that we realize you and I aren't in need of good advice. Pastor Angie, we don't need good advice. I mean, that can be helpful, but that's not really what we need. We, we don't really need a helping hand. We need to be rescued. And the proclamation of the gospel is the good news that Jesus has come just to do that very thing, to rescue us. The gospel is also good news because it's the announcement that we don't need to do anything. It's not about something we must do, but rather it's a declaration of what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection. And another reason the, the tool of law and gospel needs to remain the same is that the proclamation of the gospel is actually the power of God at work in the world. It's not just some nice little theological old dusty dogma that we dust off every now and then and take off the shelves. It's not just some nice message. It's not just some nice teaching. It's actually the power of God at work in the world. In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work in the world. The gospel, the preaching of law and gospel does stuff. And the very fact that you and I are sitting here this morning, you're sitting there at home, that billions of Christians have sat in churches throughout the ages is evidence that this works. So let's not throw that tool away, okay? Let's continue 
to preach law and gospel. And I know you have a team here that does that, by the way. Another tool that, that we shouldn't throw away is related to the first, and that's getting God's people and getting people in general, but especially God's people, into God's Word. Because God works by the power of the Spirit through the Word to set us free, to change our hearts, to renew our minds. God at work through the Word, again, is doing stuff. Fancy theological phrase. He's doing stuff in our lives. In Romans 10, 17, one, part of the stuff he does is he gives you and I the gift of faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You and I don't have to try to conjure up more faith. We don't have to get a Christian constipation going, well, if I just try hard enough, I'll have more faith. We just need to meet with God in his word and experience the Holy Spirit sparking in you and I, creating in you and I, stirring up in you and I the gift of faith which comes from God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As we meet with God in his word, and that's, that's kind of how I like to think of, of, of reading the word or being part of a Bible study or something like that, by the way, is it's a meeting place. It's, it's kind of like a coffee shop. Kind of like a coffee shop. Pastor Darren knows, and Pastor Angie, I think, knows too. My, my morning time when I get up to pray and meet with God in his word, I call it my, my coffee time with Jesus. Now, I, I think you all know, I hope I know John knows, Jesus loves coffee. <laughs> he, he does. We know this from the Gospel of John, chapter 2. There's a story that's been woefully mistranslated for centuries that Jesus turns water into wine. I don't know how the translators have ever gotten that wrong. The Greek word for wine is actually Sumatra coffee. <laughs> and, and by the way, does anybody hear like tea rather than coffee? Yeah. Okay, you just need to know Jesus loves you too. Yeah. Not quite as much, but he loves you too. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I mean, it's actually true, but I'm teasing. Um, God is at work in and through his word. Let's, let's continue to be people who find different ways, different times, different methods to meet with him in his word, whether it's a small group Bible study or it's, it's online or it's in person or it's alone in the morning or maybe in the afternoon or evening whenever that quiet time for you works best. But let's always be people of word. At its best, one way to understand we as Lutherans, by the way, is that we are a Bible movement. We are a Bible movement. That's one way to understand who we are. Let's not throw that tool away, okay? Another tool that we dare not throw away or lose in this cultural landscape that's changing faster than any of us can imagine is the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we need not only Jesus' message, we need his power. And we're given that gift of his power in our baptism. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38 says this. Now, when a, a group of people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In our baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, by the way, brothers and sisters, you receive grade A, 100% Holy Spirit. You don't say, and Scripture doesn't say, well, now in your baptism, you receive 50% of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have to work really hard the rest of your life to earn the other 50%. And you're going to have to pray like the Dickens, and you're going to have to live really well. And you're going to have to do all this stuff to get the other 50%. Scripture doesn't say that. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who lived in Jesus lives in you and me. I mean, I, I still can't wrap my head around it after all these years of, of following Jesus. But the Holy Spirit who was with him in his birth and as a young boy and, and, and as a young man and then in his ministry, that same Holy Spirit who enabled Jesus to do everything he ever said and do everything he ever did lives in you and me to enable us to say what he wants us to say and to do what he wants us to do. Not by our own strength and power, but by his. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the apostle Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Now, take it easy. Some of you are starting to have a heart attack. I didn't say don't drink wine. Wine is good. Some wine is better than others. How many people here own some really good wine? Okay. I want you to know I have the spiritual gift of receiving. <laughs> so if you want to share any of that with me, that would be just fine. No, but Scripture says in all the seriousness, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Getting drunk will ruin your life. Instead, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. Mike, you just said... I've got 100% grade A Holy Spirit in my life, and now you're saying keep on being filled with the Spirit. Did I leak? Did something happen? Do I need to get more? It's not so much that, but it's, it's that His presence within us, it, it doesn't go dormant, but we maybe grow dormant, and we need His presence and His power to kind of be stirred up afresh so it, it just shoots up and overflows, splashing out onto the people around us, and influencing us and empowering us in the process. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit's empowering presence that God grows us in the fruit of the Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit's empowering presence that God gives us spiritual gifts to tangibly touch other people with his love and his power. No matter how much the landscape of the country and culture may change, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit is and must always remain the same. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't throw away tools that still work. However, like Lewis and Clark, we may realize, and, and their team, we may realize that we may need to identify and implement some new strategies. Not, and not throw away the strategies we've been living out that still are effective. But, but we may need to add some new strategies or some renewed strategies to navigate those mountains, to navigate that, that changing cultural landscape, to participate in the mission, that, mission of God that he's called us to join him on. And this is nothing new for us as Lutherans. This is kind of old hat for us. Sometimes we forget this. 
Uh, but for instance, here's a, here's a time when we implemented a new strategy in our history. Uh, back in the day, the only Bible that was available during the, the era of the Reformation, was it was available to the professional clergy and to maybe a few of the elite, but it wasn't available to the ordinary man or woman on the street until Martin Luther gets this idea. And where do you think he got that idea? I have nothing better to do. I think I'll just translate the Bible into ordinary German. That's probably the Holy Spirit who spoke to him, gave him the idea, empowered him to do it, and he translates the entire Bible into ordinary uh, German, and it's given to ordinary people. One church historian has written, this is probably the most dangerous thing, actually, that Luther ever did, and that the Reformation ever did, because it put the Word of God into the hands of ordinary men and women. And, and back in that day, that was cutting edge, as they say, right? That, that was the new thing, the new strategy. But you and I, to us, it just seems old hat. If we want to get a Bible in our hands, we can get a Bible in our hands. We've never known a time when we couldn't get a Bible in our language to read and to study and to meet with God in. But there was a day when it was cutting edge. There was a day when it was new. And it did unsettle people because new strategies do that. And we need to be aware of that. I need to be aware of it. I don't like change more than the next person. Uh, my wife and I uh, have a new baby granddaughter here in the, in, uh, near the Como Park area we're seeing while we're in town these days. And Mark Twain used to say, the only person who likes change is a wet, wet baby. <laughs> I'd beg to differ. I don't think the wet baby likes it either. <laughs> At least not according to my granddaughter. None of us like change. I don't mind change as long as it's your stuff God's changing and it's not my stuff. But like Lewis and Clark, we're, we're standing on a summit and we've got a landscape in front of us that has changed. And what we've been doing to a great extent isn't going to enable us to do what we need to go, do going forward. So we need to add, not do away with all of the strategies we've implemented, but we need to add some new ones and recognize, God, please help me because it's going to unsettle me. It's going to make me feel a little nervous. Uh, it might make me feel a little angry. Please deal with my heart as we seek to live this out. Um, there's a number of new strategies people are, are wrestling with, some, some issues that might require new strategies around the United States and overseas. Let me mention three quickly here this morning and then turn it back over to the team. First of all, there are some churches who will need to develop new strategies that address the exhortation in Hebrews to not forsake the gathering together of ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, Historically, we've met together in groups like this in a church building, often on a Wednesday night, maybe a Saturday night for a Saturday night service, a Sunday morning service. There were Bible studies during the weeks and things like that, but those were the, the three big meetings we had. And then suddenly last year, 2020, along comes uh, the coronavirus, along comes COVID, and we literally are not allowed to meet 
we are literally not allowed to gather together. And so we all had to scramble, didn't we? We had to scramble and to find new ways or renewed ways to meet together. And, and of course, we're meeting together live streaming today, right? And a number of churches started to do that more and more during COVID, or they started putting Bible studies on YouTube, uh, things of that nature. Uh, down in Phoenix, where, again, where Debbie and I live, during COVID in January, February, actually kind of kicked in in February, right, in March and April, you're still inside up here in Minnesota, right? Again, Devin, I lived here for 14 years. We know the drill. And, and we too, uh, you know, you, you had to suffer for Jesus being inside during COVID. We had to suffer for Jesus too down in Arizona as we would be out in our backyard in February. And um, uh, when it got down to 60 degrees and, and we maybe had to put on a long sleeve shirt or something. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we, um, no, some people online, let's do Bible studies, <coughs> excuse me, on uh, YouTube and down in our area, depending on other areas of the country, you could maybe get together in a small group in the backyard with social distancing, wearing your mask. The idea being that how can we figure out how to still gather together? And we may need to think about that moving forward. It's not that we're going to stop this, right? This is good. But what have we discovered during that time that we maybe could add to our playbook? Another area where some churches are looking at developing some new or renewed strategies is in the area of, of moving from a pastor-staff-led ministry where a pastor and staff do all the work of the ministry. I know that's true. Pastor Darren calls me all the time, says, Mike, you won't believe it, but I do everything around here. <laughs> I do everything. And Pastor Angie helps out a little bit, but, you know. And good Lord, we don't know what Dan and Melinda are up to at all. <laughs> but, you know, and pat me on the back, Mike. Whoa, whoa. There are some churches, though, where, where actually that's closer to the truth than I would care to admit. Community of grace is not one of them. Where the idea is, well, we, we hired you, Pastor Angie, to do the work, so, so do the work. That's what we pay you for. That's a, the cultural understanding for many people of what it means to be a pastor. You're, you're a CEO of a business. You're leading this business. We hired you to do the stuff. But Scripture doesn't paint that picture of why a woman or a man is called to be a pastor or to join the staff of a church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, we actually have a big part of the job description for Pastor Angie, for Pastor Darren, for Dan and Melinda and others on the team here. Paul writes this, now these, these are the gifts. I don't know if you've ever thought of them like this, by the way. But you've been given a great gift in the person of Darren Vick. You've been given a great gift in the person of Angie Way and of Dan Lugo and Melinda Kern and others who are on the team here at Community of Grace. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, their responsibility is to do all of the stuff. Uh, excuse me, just, 
a minute. That's not a hang. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. The same Holy Spirit who lived within Jesus. And he has given you gifts of the Spirit. You might not even know the gift or all the gifts he's given you yet. But you, you have been created on purpose for a purpose that is significant. You are the people of God. You have stories to tell that people need to hear. They don't need to hear Pastor Darren's story. They don't need to hear Andrew's story. They don't need to hear my story. They need to hear Rihanna's story. Because it's her story that's going to connect with somebody. They need to be loved in a tangible way by you, not by me. You have a call of God on your life, which you may or may not even be aware of yet. And it's the responsibility of these brothers and sisters to help you discover that and live that out and be encouraged in it and be equipped for it. So some churches are going to have to reconsider a new strategy for a robust practice of the priesthood of believers, which is as distinctive of our Lutheran faith and is scriptural. <laughs> one, one last thing. It, some churches are going to have to develop some new strategies to reach out to and love the neighbor. So love God Love the neighbor welcome the, and welcome the stranger and go and make disciples, right? Keep, keep the main thing the main thing. There's an LCMC church out on the West Coast that took this seriously and they began to look around their community and they realized over the past 20 years, the demographics had changed. It was no longer primarily an Anglo community. It was uh, the, the greater percentage now was that it was an Asian community and they were primarily immigrants coming to the United States. And so they began, they, the church, thought, well, we better begin to get to know our neighbor and, and, and wonder what their needs are and how could we be helpful. And so they just started meeting people in their neighborhoods, literally, or going out to certain places where people gathered, and they began to get to know the people and, and asking questions. And the feedback they got, uh, uh, to, to some extent, one, one thing in particular was, we need help learning English. Well, let's start English as a second language classes. And they hosted it right there at their church. And literally thousands of people have been through that church in the last, I don't know how many, five, six years, something like that. And, and in that, they, they got loved by members of the church and they became friends. And, and they began asking, the, the, the Asian demographic began asking, Tell us about this Jesus you worship. Well, yeah, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. And conversations about who is Jesus and what is Christianity began taking place. And then other courses were birthed to go along with the English as Second Language courses, introductory courses, one of them uh, from a ministry called Alpha that began to introduce people to who Jesus is and what Christianity is. And wouldn't you know, God was at work in it, and God has drawn hundreds of people to faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, all because that congregation said, let's love our neighbor, who is our neighbor, what are their needs, and what strategy would meet that need? Same mission, different strategies. These are just a few examples to get us started thinking of new strategies for joining in the mission God is on 
and wants us to participate in. Brothers and sisters, our landscape has changed. It's, it's to you and to other congregations here in the Twin Cities to consider, and even in specific parts of the Twin Cities, to consider how has our landscape changed? And who is our neighbor? And who might be the stranger we can welcome? To then identify what are the tools that still work? What are some tools we might need to pick up? Identify what are the strategies that are still helpful and what are the strategies that we might need to let go of or what new ones might we need to add so that we can connect that command of Jesus with the direction he wants us to go, the intercontinental United States to the Pacific. Community of Grace, you've got the stuff to do this because you have these tools you keep the main thing the main thing. And I know that your leaders and many of you whom I've met in your congregation want to do whatever God tells you to do. The attitude I hear is I'll do anything and I will go anywhere as long as I know it's the Lord guiding me. That is a great attitude. Lord Jesus, thank you for community of grace. Thank you for all you've done in them throughout their history and now <clears throat> in the present and what you have laid out ahead for them. I pray that you would give them wisdom and insight, and, and would you please give us all uh, flexible, moldable hearts. Uh, when we encounter change, it's difficult, but it's change we know we need to embrace. We need you to work in us and through us so that we have the freedom to follow you, Jesus, to the glory of your holy name. Amen.